I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Well, today I'm excited to have Sherry Stahl with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 5 and what the Lord is teaching her. Sherry is an author, a speaker, a blogger, and a radio host, and she's the founder of Soul H2O, which is a hub where you will find resources like her award-winning blog, devotionals, online Bible studies, courses she's created, and links to her radio program and podcast, which are hosted on Joy Radio. She's written two books, Water in the Desert and Soul H2O, and both are 40-day devotionals designed to lead you closer to the heart of God. Well, welcome, Sherry. It is so good to have you on the podcast today. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, I gave a pretty high-level overview of who you are, but why don't you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about you? Well, I am actually this crazy girl that (laughs) loves drag racing, loves Jesus. I grew up in uh, a drag racing family, but got to go to church with my grandparents and my uncle, got to go on the church bus. If it wasn't for the church bus, I wouldn't be on your radio show. (laughs) And, um, you know, I just, I was joking with you earlier, I, um, this kind of different girl where I love the girly, girly stuff the jewelry, makeup, and dressing up, but I'm also this tomboyish girl, and I'm also love to have fun, like drag racing and all these things, but I'm also very studious, and I love the Word of God. I love getting deep into study. I desperately miss Bible college and would love to go back to seminary and get, you know, even higher schooling because his word is so incredible. And even though I've been studying it, you know, for decades and it is continually speaking to my life in new ways. So I am so thankful that you invited me on your show to be able to discuss scripture, to get in deeper, you know, and to look at some passages in a really kind of narrow way, looking at verses and even sections of verses is even literal, just a word in the verse. So I am loving that I'm here today. So thank you for having me. Oh, I love it. I love it. We have a very similar heart for God's (laughs) word. And I agree with you just studying it and learning something new about his Mm -hmm. word or God revealing something that I had not seen before just is like, oh, it's, I don't know. It's just so delights my soul. And so I'm with you on that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get into talking about this passage. And before we do, I do want to give us a quick reminder of it. So we are in week nine of 10 of scripture meditations that are walking through the life of Moses. And we're going to take a bit of an excursion from the life of Moses to meditate on a passage that gets to the heart of where we are in his story. So I went into this more in the meditation podcast, so I won't do it here But in Moses's journey, he experienced some significant betrayals by those who were closest to him. 
And those accounts are really interesting and absolutely we should study them, but they're a little long to meditate on. And so I thought, well, we need to get to the heart of the matter. So let's see what Jesus has to say about how we're supposed to respond to those who could be considered our enemies. So that's where this reading comes from. It's Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. And today I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. It says this, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Okay, there's so much that we can unpack in this verse. Mm -hmm. We did this kind of meditation process using this Lectio Divina process, asking the Lord, help us notice something in this passage that you want us to focus in on. So let's start there. Tell me, where did the Lord lead you as you started this process? Well, immediately the first word that um, struck me was the word neighbor. And I thought about my next door neighbor, Marianne. She's an older lady. She is the sweetest, honestly, kindest lady. She's just so wonderful. And, you know, she's always out watering her flowers and just happy all the time. She's wonderful. So it's easy to love her. (laughs) Then, (laughs) Then we also have a neighbor that you know, is maybe that disgruntled neighbor you would call him. We'll leave him nameless. (laughs) And he likes to remind you about anything that you do wrong. Um, When my husband drives down the street, sometimes uh, my husband's a firefighter and he'll say, oh, where's the fire today? You know, as if he's just driving like a crazy madman, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, different things like that. So, you, you know, you maybe have those difficult people that are your neighbors on your street, but really this scripture, you know, it makes you think about Luke 10, uh, 25 to 37 in the story of the Good Samaritan. And who is our neighbor? Jesus is asking them that, like, who's your neighbor? And he doesn't want them to think of the people next to them, which in their case would have been their Jewish friends who believed the same, went to the same uh, fellowship of believers as they did and followed the same rules, probably dressed the same, followed that same code of conduct. And so he goes through this story that talks about how the neighbor was the person that they despised. They didn't like. It was literally the Jewish, what you would maybe call their arch enemies. Mm -hmm. And so the Samaritan is representative of the, the people group that you least identify with, you don't get along with probably, you don't see eye to eye. And you know, if you look at the history between the Jews and the Samaritan, there's a lot of bad blood between them. And, you know, each side had reasons to not like each other, uh, valid reasons. And so I think of the word neighbor, I think of the people in my life that have been 
maybe those disgrunt, those difficult people that you just mm-hmm. like uh, being around them, you kind of want to quickly get in your parking spot so you can avoid, you know, that kind of situation where Jesus wants you to also love those people to the people that are absolutely out to get you. And, you know, you're looking at the the life of Moses and how the people went against him time and again. They were constantly complaining about him. And, you know, and then not even just the people, but his sister and his brother. And that's the nitty gritty of it. That's Mm -hmm. where it's really difficult in the rubber hits the road in your faith to love your neighbors. and. Jesus was calling the people up higher in that time. He was saying, okay, like, you know, the law, but now I'm saying to you, so there's, you know, the, the neighbor part. And I don't know, I guess you're, you're talking about betrayal here too. And so for me personally, as a girl who's gone through divorce and the turmoil that that brought, the betrayal that I felt with the broken marriage of my husband, you know, leaving and ending, wanting to end our marriage and all of the chaos that surrounded the breakdown of my marriage, feeling so betrayed, not, you know, feeling like I couldn't trust. Um, and then actually, um, through situations, people believing lies about me, Mm. actually, um, to this day, some have actually called and apologized that they believe the lies, some back in relationship, some I've never heard from. And and the lies were pretty crazy. And it was really a difficult time because I, I kept thinking, well, you know, logically, they're going to look at the situation and see that, you know, I was the one in, you know, teaching Sunday school and going on missions trips and things and the way hopefully the fruit of my life would speak. But unfortunately, in those circumstances that you can feel betrayed by, you know, the ones that are supposed to love you the most in your family or your close friend circle, and that hits Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking there's this, you want people to slow down enough to really think through what is happening right now to Sherry? And it's almost like you just want to say, if you would just look and open your eyes, you would see that these are lies being told about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think people are kind of get carried away in the current of whatever feels right at the moment or a charismatic person or whatever. And so I, I feel some of that pain when you're talking about lies being spoken and being betrayed by someone who was really supposed to be not only your neighbor, but your protector and your closest friend. And so, yeah, that as you were talking that those were some of the things that were just kind of rolling around in my head. And it's such an interesting way for you to unpack that word neighbor, both in the positive and the fact mm-hmm. that we do have neighbors that we're not really that sure about. And, <laughs> and we know that we know that we run away from people. And so I would love to know, as you kind of kept going into this passage, where did you go next with the Lord? Well, the next thing that I really felt God speaking to me is about the the law versus the new covenant. And Mm. that when we choose to live in the law, 
we live in the rules like the Pharisees that Jesus was talking to, you know, about the, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. Um, and, and like in Moses time, if we live in those rules, we don't live in love. We miss the whole point of Jesus coming, that he was the fulfillment of the law. He, you know, we need to act out of love and also acceptance to those not previously accepted. Jesus was so accepting to people groups that in, you know, 2022, we don't really realize because our culture is so different because Jesus came. Mm, He was the one who broke down barriers. So he, you know, for us girls, he broke down barriers. And over the centuries, it's gone back and forth and back and forth of whether women were allowed in ministry. Yet Jesus allowed women to travel with him. You know, they were a part of his ministry in so many ways. They were the first ones to evangelize the Samaritan woman. Uh, mm-hmm. First one to get out there and to evangelize. Uh, you look at that. It was the women who were there at the tomb. They were the ones who told the disciples in so many key places. The women were the one who brought the news about Jesus to the world first. And that is not something to just kind of glaze over. Um, the book of Luke actually talks more about the women because you know, Luke wasn't Jewish. So he didn't have some of those, you know, preconceived thoughts towards women that the Jewish guys did when they wrote their gospels. And so he included more of the stories of the women and other historical accounts that we can learn. So Jesus was breaking down those barriers for women that he allowed women, you know, in the Jewish culture, women were not allowed to be disciples until Jesus. And um, so there, uh, people groups, the Samaritans, that he sat with the Samaritan woman, like it was a double whammy, breaking down those cultural barriers and those gender barriers. And then people from other nations that came to him and he blessed them, he healed them. He didn't turn them away because they weren't Jewish. No, he reached out and he encouraged his disciples to do the same. So you know, he was breaking the law, the old law to bring in the new covenant of love. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I guess, and then going next to the next thing that popped out. And I don't like this verse very much. I'm just going to be honest, but pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. Ah, Right. I know. <laughs> that's how we all feel when we read that. Love your enemies yeah. and pray for those who persecute you. Come on. No. Yeah. I don't want to pray yeah. for those who persecute me. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about that conversation with the Lord. Well, it, it's uh that's a very difficult one because it is really hard too when you feel like maybe your close friends and family are the ones who are persecuting you, whether it's, you know, they're not necessarily uh, physically harming you, but at times there are people experience that I have not personally, but you know, where those are the ones that are coming against your identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. your calling as a believer, your calling as your destiny that who God's called you to be. Um, It's really difficult and it takes a lot of growth and healing of your inner woundings to be able to follow this verse, to pray for those who persecute you. Um, last week on my radio show, um, episode 111, it's called It's Not a Popularity Contest. I had Nicolette from Open Doors Ministry, 
and they minister to the the persecuted church. Mm. And so she was just telling us some of the stories of what people today in the persecuted church go through. And, you know, we, we had to cut out a lot from the interview, but talking with her, so many of these uh, believers in other parts of the world that are literally losing their faith, being beat, lo- uh, losing their life or being beaten, um, that are so forgiving to the people that persecute them. And I think we've all heard stories of missionaries who have forgiven people who have, you know, sought to kill them or killed their spouse. And that how God has turned that around and actually used it to evangelize different people groups. So it's a really, really difficult portion of scripture to live out. Yeah, it's a supernatural forgiveness. When I hear those stories, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. only by the grace of God did they get to look the person in the eyes that maybe was responsible for killing their family or, Mm -hmm. you know, terrible, terrible things. And yeah. say, you know what? Through Christ, I, I forgive you. I extend forgiveness to you. And, you know, I have been talk, told and taught that forgiveness is so much more about our own heart and soul. It's about that letting go. And so that bitterness doesn't take root into us and destroy mm-hmm. us. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily restoration of relationship. And I think that's really important to remember when we look at a passage like this, that forgiveness is a reconciliation in your soul, regardless of what the other person has done, but not Mm -hmm. a reconciliation of relationship necessarily. Now, sometimes that can happen if there is Mm -hmm. mutual acceptance over what has been done and there is you know, seeking of restoration together. But um, I just think we we have to be really careful about that. And I think this passage, when we we hear something like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we don't know often what exactly that looks like. Praying for those mm-hmm. who persecute you is one thing, but the loving your enemies, what does it look like to love someone who truly is your enemy? That's really challenging. I- they are absolutely completely different things. Um, the forgiveness and restored relationship, they're completely separate things. And sometimes to love someone best, we cannot allow their behavior to happen, to continue and to act like it's okay and to permit it into our lives. And we're doing people a, a disservice in doing that because sometimes we're enabling people um, and we're allowing them to continue in their sin in ways that maybe God can't speak to them about it because if everyone else thinks it's okay, then why would God have any problem with it? Um, It's, it's really a difficult line to walk. And I have, I think probably kept me longer in a marriage that was very unhealthy. And I, I couldn't, remove myself from because as a Christian, I I struggled so much to put boundaries there and to to really say, this is not okay, this is okay, this is not okay, and, and draw the lines. Um, it was really, I, I can think of off the top of the head, like I read so many books and, and did lots of counseling, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but and definitely, if you have struggles, you know, with boundaries, read the boundaries book by 
Dr. Cloud and he, all his books on that. They're so great. So actually three books. So the boundaries books, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the series of them. Um, then RT Kendall's book on forgiveness. Mm. That is incredible. So in his book, he takes a look at the life of Joseph and what was so uh, freeing for me is looking at Joseph, how he forgave his brothers. And people will use that example and say how we should always forgive. But if you take a real deep dive into Joseph and how he let his brothers in, he did not immediately let his brothers back into his life. He actually made it difficult for the come for them to come back. He actually tricked them with that silver goblet and, you know, putting it in their backpack, <laughs> um, you know, when they went back and, you know, he made it difficult because he had to test and to make sure that it was wise for him to trust them, wise for him to open up his heart towards them again. Yeah. It's not that he didn't forgive them, but he didn't just unwisely allow them back into his life. Right. Once he knew that he could trust them, then he wholeheartedly opened his heart, which was so difficult and it took him time. There was a whole process of learning to trust his brothers again. Um, so it's, it's a process. And unfortunately, you can't always get there because everyone has free will. But, but that book and then another book that I just want to say is, um, no more Christian nice girl. And I forget the people's names who wrote that. I read it so long ago. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll link all three of these. These are great books. Yes. They are such great books, but that really helped me, that book. And um, if you're really struggling being that pushover girl and and struggling to separate forgiveness and restoration of relationship, um, that's a great book too. Mm, those are awesome recommendations. I It's funny how frequently I've seen this kind of pop up in conversation um, lately is people asking for advice on well, how do I know either how to put up a good boundary or like it, how do I, how do I do what Jesus is asking me to do to love my enemy and yet also guard my heart and protect myself? Like it feels like those are sometimes at odds with each other. And it's very interesting. I think, especially in the Christian community, we have really gotten confused about how to, that boundaries are okay. Um, and that setting yeah. up boundaries, you know, I just heard it recently said, you know, boundaries are actually God's idea. He set one up way before we even sinned. He said, you know what, you can do all of these things, but this one tree I'm putting a boundary around. Mm -hmm. And so he set boundaries at the beginning of time, you know, and so Boundaries are even God's in creation. Idea. Yes. Yeah. Even in creation, he set those boundaries with where do the waves come That's up right. to and, you know, space and everything. So he, he's a God of order and, um, he does set those boundaries and he expects us to put them in our lives. And just as you're talking and we're discussing this, I'm thinking back to that Samaritan, good Samaritan story. Um, the way that I used to be, if I were to have seen, you know, the or the the person on the side of the road, and if the good, you know, if you were being the good Samaritan, I probably wouldn't have just brought him to a hotel. I would have brought him in my house, and I would have like, you know, pushed out my kids or baby room or whatever. Like, but the guy actually used boundaries mm. even there. Yeah. He brought him to a hotel. He went back and checked on him. He did it, you know. So there would have been a process where. 
He didn't feel that he was completely the only one that could help this guy either. He asked the innkeeper to be a part of the process of helping this guy too. So I think there's a lot you can learn there too of where it's, you know, we can't take this one verse about love your enemies and think that that means I just have to let everyone hurt me, everyone treat me the way they want to, doesn't matter how much, because that verse. Mm-hmm. You have to take in the totality of scripture right. and and what Jesus said and what other scripture is saying, and then you know make that make sense. Yeah. It's bringing to mind a book that I read called When to Walk Away, and it is by um, Gary Thomas. And he talks about amazing Christian author, and he talks about how Jesus walked away. That there are times when Jesus said, you know what? They are not receiving me. And he moved on and how he didn't meet the needs of every single person that had a need. He had to make Mm -hmm. choices to do the ministry and the work that God was calling him to. And that was a profound idea for me to think, oh, even Jesus had to say no to people. And so that there was definitely something very empowering for me in, in reading his work and really praying through what are the times where it is appropriate to, to move on or to move in a different direction. And of course, there's a thousand scenarios and, you know, we can't, can't give you any pat answers if you're in that situation right now, except for great resources and, and counseling. Yes. You mentioned that earlier. Oh, a good counselor is worth their weight in gold. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we all need that to any woundings in our heart, which we all have them. You need counseling. God uses counselors for sure. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything else in this verse? You've already mined out so many things. I'd love to know. Yeah. Okay. So the next portion in verse 45, it kind of segues from what we were just talking about here. Um, It says that the God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So no matter if you're a Christian, a non-Christian, um, love Jesus, don't love Jesus. Uh, that one girl on Instagram says saints, ain'ts, and anyone in between. <laughs> but no matter what walk of life you come from, the rain is going to fall. There's going to be difficult times. Mm-hmm. There's going to be storms in your life. And so you need to let God heal you no matter what. And and that's something that struck me in verse 45, mm-hmm. verse 46. Um, if you love though only those that love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And again, a super challenging verse um, and portion of scripture to walk out that we would not just be good to the people like my neighbor, Marianne, that is very easy to be good to. But those that are difficult, that we do take the time for them. We don't always brush them off. And, you know, there's times that we need to draw boundaries with people. But we also really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when these difficult people are usually difficult because of their woundings and when we need to take the time for them, but all, you know, everything in balance. That's right. 
taking those boundaries into consideration too. Well, and I think that um, speaks to how important it is that we have a deep abiding relationship with God so that we can be sensitive to the Spirit's leading on when to lean into a relationship, create time for a difficult relationship, you know, margin and space and really love someone well by giving them more of ourselves versus when it's time to love them well by actually pulling away and and having them then not, you know, use us as a crutch, but actually have to seek Jesus on their own. And I think there's and and then every degree in between all of those things. And I think mm-hmm. that's where we have to have this abiding relationship with God to even know how are we to respond right now and what what is the next step we take. So yeah, that's such a great those are challenging and good reminders. Very challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think the very last verse to me is the most challenging of the portion you gave yeah. me. But verse 48 says, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. So I looked at that yeah. and, you know, it's just, you read that and you think well, that is impossible. Like I am, I know myself, I know I'm not perfect yeah. and I know God is perfect. And so I looked at the Greek in that uh, verse and what was what was the Greek word that Jesus was using and speaking mm-hmm. at the time and, and that they had. And so it's a word teleos. Um, don't know if I'm saying it right. Sounds we'll great. Say Just say it, it with confidence. That's what I say. <laughs> say it with confidence. <laughs> kind of looks like that. Anyway, so teleos. And the original definition of that word is having reached its end, complete and perfect. So it's really talking about this completeness, a wholeness. So in our modern translations, it has been used, the usage is perfect, complete in all its part, full grown, full age, and talks about the completeness of Christian character. And so when we're looking at it like this, it's very hard because, you know, we read our English translations as they are translated and they use some of these words that when you look into the original of it, there's such a nuance to it mm-hmm. that I don't think our English language gives. And it makes this verse harsher and harder to live out because it's talking about being complete and perfected and, you know, it's like that complete and, and, and being whole. And so if we can think about that, that as we allow God to work in our lives, deal with the betrayal like Moses had to, you know, if Moses would, Moses would have stayed in that and unforgiveness and not forgiven his brother, his sister, the people of Israel, he would have like just left them in the desert. That's right. And, and then when he wasn't going to be able to go into the promised land, that he actually taught uh, Joshua, how to lead the people and pass the baton on so well. He didn't allow bitterness to take root from all the betrayal that he experienced. He was continually being perfected in his faith. And so, I don't know, that just helps me to feel the heaviness of this verse to understand that I'm going to grow towards that completeness, that wholeness in Christ to be like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really independence on him. As you're saying, we can't be perfect in our own strength. We already know that the only Mm -hmm. way we can walk in a way that God is calling us to 
is by depending on him and and pulling the strength from him to do what he's inviting and asking us to do. Those are some yeah, good and words. really yeah. Yeah. Only uh, just the last thing is, uh, you know, the only way we can be perfect is when we apply what Jesus did when he died for us on the cross and that when we put our faith in him and what he did, then his righteousness becomes our righteousness. And that's the way we become perfect, even though we don't see it in our natural soulish realm, we're not, but in the spiritual realm, God sees us as that. Yes. So yes, we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. That is a mind blowing Mm -hmm. thing to think about. That is a great, great last word to end on Sherry. I love it. We definitely need to turn to Jesus for that perfection. So, well, this has been such a great conversation. There has been so much in this verse. Thank you for walking through it with us and just sharing what the Lord led you to. It was truly a delight to have you on the podcast today. Oh, it was my privilege. Honestly, I love this. Well, thanks. Well, friends, I also just want to thank you for joining Sherry and I today on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.